Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Yesterday, President Biden announced a request for another $33 billion in aid for Ukraine. And it seems it would be an opportunity for Democrats and Republicans alike to come together in a unified message in the fight for freedom in Ukraine. That's the headline. But will the politics of Congress once again get in the way of doing something united? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, as we've been reporting over the last 24 hours, President Biden has announced a request, a supplemental request, for an additional $33 billion uh, in aid to Ukraine. It is a mix of about $20 billion in direct uh, arms and uh, military weaponry and logistics, uh, as well as about $11 billion in economic investment in Ukraine, and then also some for humanitarian relief, refugee relief in Ukraine as well. And so I want to break this down into a number of things. Uh, of course, we were in Washington, D.C. all week this past week, and uh, of course, part of that was spent out at the Temple Open House of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and part of it was spent uh, wandering the halls and uh, into the offices on Capitol Hill. And it's interesting to me when, when you have moments like this where it seems something is so obvious, so easy, uh, a no-brainer and a give-me uh, for both Republicans and Democrats alike, that they just can't seem to take it. Uh, that somehow they have to make it more complicated rather than simple and bring the politics into all of it. And we're going to break that down. But let's start with the president. Uh, the president said that Ukrainians need more aid in order to keep repelling the Russian army. Here's where he began. Every day, every day the Ukrainians pay for the price, with the, and the price they pay is with their lives for this fight. So we need to contribute arms, funding, ammunition, and the economic support to make their courage and sacrifice have purpose so they can continue this fight and do what they're doing. The president went on to say that this new aid package he's requesting Congress to approve is a supplemental, really designed to get the funding of what is needed in Ukraine to go all the way until September, which is the end of the fiscal year here in the United States. We've almost exhausted what we call the fancy phrase, the drawdown authority that Congress authorized Ukraine, authorized for Ukraine in a bipartisan spending bill last month. Basically, we're out of money. And so that's why today, in order to sustain Ukraine as as it continues to fight, I'm sending Congress a supplemental budget request. It's going to keep weapons and ammunition flowing without interruption to the brave Ukrainian fighters and continue delivering economic and humanitarian assistance to the Ukrainian people. 
I think that's really important to recognize what the president did there. So, again, he said that they had just about exhausted the drawdown authority. So what that means is the amount that was approved in a bipartisan fashion uh, just uh, about six weeks ago, that they've been drawing down those funds and what was approved to be appropriated and sent to Ukraine. So they're almost to the end of that drawdown authority that Congress gave to the president to send all of that aid into Ukraine and both military, economic, uh, and then also, in addition to that, some humanitarian relief as well so they're getting towards the end of what is available to them so the president is asking for a supplemental uh, again it's a very simple thing uh, to request and the president doing that i think in an important way to say let's get this through the end of the summer get this to se- september when there will be a debate over next year's uh, budget and all the things that will go with it in terms of what will be approved to be spent uh, in the year following september and so the president's saying, hey, let's let's get some certainty. Let's also demonstrate to Ukraine that we're committed to this for the next five months at this level, that we can be helpful, that we can provide this kind of aid and military support, and that all of that will lead towards more certainty, more confidence both for Ukraine uh, and also for our allies in Europe that, hey, they need to step up and at least match this. Uh, and have that kind of investment as well. The president then outlined specifically where this aid package would go, what it would do, and why it mattered for Congress to get this done quickly. This assistance would provide even more artillery, armored vehicles, anti-armored systems, anti-air capabilities that have been used so effectively thus far in the battlefield by the Ukrainian warriors. You know, and it's going to deliver much-needed humanitarian assistance as well as food, water, medicine, shelter, and other aid to Ukrainians displaced by Russia's war and provide aid for those seeking refuge in other countries from Ukraine. It's also going to help schools and hospitals open. It's going to allow pensions and social support to be paid to the Ukrainian people so they have something, something in their pocket. It's also going to provide critical resources to address food shortages around the globe. So I think the president did a good job of outlining here's here's what this is. Here's why it matters. So part of that is military aid, very specific in terms of anti-aircraft, other uh, tanks and weapons that are going to be critical. We've also noted today that there has been more training going on, U.S. led training of Ukrainian forces on a number of weapon systems. Now, this has not been done inside of Ukraine. This has been done outside of Ukraine for obvious reasons as it relates to Vladimir Putin and the Russian forces that uh, American boots are not on the ground in Ukraine. So that kind of support and training is ongoing. And I think that's also an important message. I think it's also significant that the president pointed out that this will help with very simple things inside of Ukraine in terms of pensions. You just think of all of the things that have been disrupted in Ukraine, things that we take for granted every day when it comes to a Social Security payment, something being taken care of by an insurance company. Uh, All of those just day-to-day things that uh, Ukraine clearly needs some help to make sure that that kind of normalcy in the day-to-day life can be restored quickly uh, as things uh, continue to evolve there, as uh, they continue to battle with with Russia and try to push them uh, to the the east and to the north uh, to get them out of the country. Now, President Biden went on to say that if approved, this age package would also have another important benefit, which has to do with reduced food prices. This funding is going to help ease rising food prices at home as well. 
and abroad caused by Russia's war in Ukraine. It's going to help support American farmers produce more crops like wheat and oilseed, which is good for rural America, good for the American consumer, and good for the world. And this supplemental request will use the Defense Production Act to expand domestic production and reserve and the reserve of critical materials, materials like nickel and lithium that have been disrupted by Putin's war in Ukraine and that are necessary to make everything from defense systems to automobiles. So all of the things the president has said, I don't know that there's Republicans and Democrats that disagree on where we are and what we need to do to help Ukraine. Everybody seems to agree on that. And so I think everyone's pretty comfortable. Uh, $33 billion is a lot of money. It's a, it's a big ask. Uh, but the price of freedom is always a big ask. And so I think they're all ready to move on that. But then we get to the think again moment of we're all ready to do that. United, sending a message to Ukraine, to our allies and to our enemies around the world. And then in the not so fast category... The politics sets in. This morning, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said that she would prefer that the Ukrainian aid money be tied to a bill to extend more COVID relief money, that those be packaged together. On the Ukraine bill here, obviously there's talk about maybe putting the COVID money in. You say there hasn't yeah. been a decision made about Well, I'm all for that. I think it's very important. We have emergencies here. We need to have the COVID money, uh, and we need time is of the essence because... We need the Ukraine money. We need the COVID money. So I would hope that we can do that. That's the, this is called legislation and we'll, uh, legislating and we'll have to come to terms on how we do that. Just within the last half hour, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki uh, said that they are having conversations with lawmakers about moving the Ukrainian aid package and the COVID relief package forward together. We have uh, been working full steam ahead um, in engaging and having discussions with appropriate members, committees, staff about the urgency in moving both of these requests forward. Um, the president, of course, put them forward because together, uh, and that is his preference for them to move together um, because they are both essential. There is urgency to moving them both forward. So that's the problem. <laughs> that is the problem. Those are two distinctly different pieces of legislation. And rather than having a united, yes, we are focused and committed to helping those in Ukraine. Instead, we're going to muddle the message and we're going to create a political divide because we're going to go into some additional COVID spending that many are still questioning where the original money has gone. Was there waste, fraud and abuse? Many people say there's still a lot of it left in pockets around the country that hasn't been spent uh, or hasn't been spent wisely without any kind of transparency or accountability. And my question is, why, oh, why are we still combining pieces of legislation that are in no way, shape or form connected together for politics? Take a vote on the Ukrainian aid package. And you would have an overwhelming majority of Democrats and Republicans standing united for freedom with Ukraine, sending a signal to our allies in Europe and to our enemies uh, in the Kremlin of Vladimir Putin. But instead, 
we are just all too willing to have one more political fake fight and false choice. We got to do better. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.